When I was 15 years old, I found out one of my best friends was pregnant. And I realized at that moment how her life had changed forever and how I never, ever wanted that to be me. So I made a policy. And my policy was that I would not engage in the acts that would lead to producing a child until I was able to care for that child when it came into this world. Now, I'm pretty sure that most people who talk about abstinence only aren't really thinking about my policy. Because you see, my policy only applied to said acts which would lead to conception. Therefore, I became well acquainted with the full expression of human sexuality. <laughs> Though the policy remained deeply unpopular with my boyfriends. Until college graduation, when my college boyfriend was very excited to learn of the recent expiration of the policy, and one night we were together, and we together crossed that line that I had not yet crossed in life. And we were talking the next day, and he turns to me and he said, wow, I'm really surprised. It was your first time, and you seem to really like that. And I was like, of course I liked that. Do you know how long I waited? <laughs> and so it was... Nine years later that I was uh, on a trip with my husband, I remember very vividly the night that was the first time I couldn't make it happen. And it started a long period of not being able to make it happen until I couldn't really make it happen at all anymore. And I tried everything. I tried doctors and counselors and nothing worked. And this went on for a long time. And it was three years later, we had moved to London, and we were out on our usual evening walk one night, and he turns to me and says, I've been thinking about it, and I want a divorce. And I said, okay, can you tell me why? And he said, because I no longer find you attractive. Six months later, our divorce was finalized, and I found myself at 36 asking, how can I be so resoundingly successful in my career as a professional and such an abject failure in my life as a woman? Well, what's a driven cosmopolitan shell of a woman gonna do with herself? <laughs> I'll tell you what she does, she throws a party. I figure a marriage starts with a party, it might as well end with a party. So I threw the biggest party I could think of. I invited all my friends and we drank champagne and we toasted to my new beginning. And it was the beginning of a lot of parties in my life and London was full of a lot of expats and I was getting a fair amount of attention. And my flatmate Adrian, uh, he really enjoyed teasing me about this. And so one night we were sitting down at the kitchen table and he reaches up and he erases the chalkboard where we would write up our grocery lists and our to-dos and he starts cataloging the countries of origin of all of the attentive gentlemen in my life. <laughs> And we titled this list, The United Nations. <laughs> Notable members of the General Assembly included an Egyptian engineer, a Mexican management consultant, and an Italian architect, among others. <laughs> we had a lot of fun with this. One night we did a pie chart where we allocated them all by continent and discussed how we might consider diversifying my portfolio. <laughs> But it was all, honestly, just a lot of innocent fun because you see, I found myself again in life standing on one side of a line that I just couldn't cross. But this time, I was bound there by my own fear, frustration, and impotence. Enter the Brazilian astrophysicist. <laughs> we met uh, very briefly at a party in London in July and our eyes met and we had a short conversation and I had just this feeling that was somehow different. And 
off he went to whatever country he was living in, and off I went to continue executing my diversification strategy. (laughs) And it was a couple of months later that we met again, this time at a party in Amsterdam. And he recognized me, and I recognized him. And we got to talking, and we found a quiet corner where we started to have a, a lot of conversation. And at one point during this conversation, he turns to me, and he's like, how old are you anyway? And I was like, old enough to know, a lady never tells. And he says, well, you can't be more than 30. And I thought, oh my God, you're not even 30. You're so far from 30 that the other side of 30 isn't even a possibility in your world. But none of that mattered because of the way that he kissed me and how it made me feel inside. But I still couldn't take anything any further. And so home he went and home I went. And it was, uh, a couple of months went by and I got a message from him. And it said, I'm going to be in London on business, would you like to meet? And I said, yes. And so out we went on this date and um, over the course of dinner and drinks, you know, the attraction kept growing and there was just this magnetic sense that I felt and I started blushing and being all self-conscious. I was pulled together, I didn't do things like that. And at the end of the evening, he said, would you like to come back to my hotel with me? And I said, I would like to go to the bar. (laughs) And I went to the bar, and I started to order and pound back Manhattans. And the whole time, he's looking at me, and I can see it in his eyes. He's thinking, how many of those is she going to have to drink before she'll go do this? (laughs) And when I reached the magic number, which was three, off we went together. And I was so anxious. I was about to lay my deepest vulnerability at the foot of a practical stranger. But he was gentle, and he was generous, and he was patient, and eventually, with enough gentle persistence, he was able to help me step over the line. And let me tell you, once I got across that line, I was not going anywhere. And... (laughs) I was going to stay there for as long as humanly possible. (laughs) And there was no sleeping, and I'm pretty sure I wore the poor guy out. (laughs) And the next morning, we said our goodbyes, and home I went, and I made a little detour on the way to the pharmacy, and the trip to the little room where a woman goes to confess her sins to the pharmacist in order to receive her absolution. (laughs) And I did, I, I did see him a few times after that when we happened to both be in the same place at the same time, until I ran into him unexpectedly one night in Spain. And I saw him there with another woman, and our eyes met. And this look was very different. <laughs> and in that moment, I, understand, I understood what I had been to him and what I hadn't. And... Of all the gifts he gave to me, which were many, (laughs) the most powerful and valuable was the understanding that that chemistry of attraction that exists between two people is its own ephemeral being. It has its own life and energy, and it has nothing to do with my worth, my value, or my attractiveness as a woman. And it was this gift of peace that earned Brazil the seat of Secretary General of the United Nations. (laughs) 